We all saw the Chicago Bears collapse against the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. But now, after having gone through the All-22 film, I want to go through how and why things went so wrong and a little bit more of who's to blame. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can find Locked On Bears on all of your favorite social media platforms, including YouTube, where you can subscribe and keep up with all of our daily video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. On the show today, we go back through the Bears' loss to the Browns with the help of the All-22 film to give us some better answers as to some of the questions that were still lingering from the game, like how things went so wrong and, and why they keep going wrong in late fourth quarter type situations where this defense played so well and then fall apart. And then this offense kind of struggled throughout the game and couldn't take advantage enough of what this defense was able to get them. And a couple of particular disappointments in this game that I want to explore a little bit further with a lens looking ahead towards the future for this Bears team. Let's start with this Bears defense, because I think we saw over the course of the game, like the offense kind of struggled throughout and Scored here and there, but mostly struggled consistently throughout the game, whereas the defense was really, really good for like three and a half quarters, and then everything falls apart at the end for like the third time this season that we've seen this defense collapse. And I've been kind of wondering, like, what gives? Why has this defense multiple times now gone from elite great play to holy moly disaster this game is ruined at the very end? And so I went into a couple of the big plays towards the end here that really cracked this open. Let's start with the the touchdown in the fourth quarter, the 51-yarder, I think it was Amari Cooper, where it's just like a couple of things go wrong at the same time, and it ends up looking like a, a Benny Hill cartoon because two guys fall over and, you know, fall into each other, and then the receiver runs away, runs on the sideline for a touchdown that really should have never been a touchdown. You know, the Bears are in cover two there. I think it's Amari Cooper is the one he's coming on like a deep crossing rod, ends up to that sideline. So Tremaine Edmonds in the middle of the field picks him up and tries to run with him, but he can't quite keep up with him. He's a little late to turn and run. So, you know, he's been beat across behind him a little bit as Joe Flacco kind of steps to the side and steps into that throw. He's thrown in, you know, the quote unquote turkey hole between the deep safety and the underneath corner on that sideline. And it's like, man, Terrell Smith is in that underneath cornerback spot. And like, that's not his area per se. Like he has other responsibilities and he gets back there to be close. And boy, he almost picks that pass off. He's close to intercepting that pass. And I can't help but wonder if, you know, if he was a little bit more instinctual, if he was a little more experienced, if that's not a play he can get his hands on. I I can't help but wonder if Tyreek Stevenson had been in there, given that he's makes those kind of flashy pass breakups and interceptions if Tyreek Stevenson could have made a play on that ball. But again, it's like that play is not Terrell Smith's fault. It would have been a bonus and it would have been a good one, 
but it wasn't like directly his coverage responsibility at that point. There was another receiver in front of him that he was kind of navigating both of. Then you have Jaquan Brisker as the other safety over the top who's trying to come down to stop the play. He's also a little late getting there because there's another receiver in that area. And what makes this worse then is that Brisker takes a really poor angle on the receiver and misses the tackle, and then Cooper runs down the sideline and in for the end zone. Like, yeah, Edmonds could have been a little bit better there, and sure, Smith probably could have picked it off, but it's Brisker who, to me, it looked like he was too busy watching the ball coming in and trying to play that instead of just playing the receiver and making the tackle there. And it all, to me, feels like... It feels like young Bears players in big moments, like not not having perfect concentration or focus or just not being dialed in, right? They just get lost in one little thing. They're trying to make the play, the big play, instead of making the, the necessary play. You know, Brisker's looking at the ball, trying to get to the ball, and not not, not realizing that the receiver's going to catch it in stride and blow by him because the angle he took was more for the ball than the receiver, right? And, and Terrell Smith is trying to get underneath it to maybe pick that off instead of maybe running the receiver. Like, there's a lot of blame to go around, but it feels like, like, I don't know if I can purely blame it on youth per se, but it does feel like players not fully dialed in and not fully focused, right? It's not that they're not paying attention. They're just not dialed into the right thing and doing exactly the fully right thing. They do sort of a right thing. They have an idea, but it's not exactly what the Bears need in that play. Or, you know, the third and 15 play where the Bears blitzed and dropped Justin Jones back into coverage and David Njoku goes over the top and, you know, Joe Flacco hits him and gets a big first down that then continues and puts them into the field goal range at the end to take the lead. Like, that was another play where you know, everybody gets mad at, at Matt Eberflus for blitzing on that play but and, and dropping, you know, Justin Jones back into coverage. But, you know, that was the third time in the game that Justin Jones had dropped back into coverage on a blitz. And you didn't really hear people getting too mad about it the first couple times because it worked. You know what I mean? Like, that's the that's blitzing. That's the nature of being uh, aggressive sometimes as a defensive coordinator is you got to drop a defensive tackle into coverage occasionally. And, uh, you know, on that play, the Falcons had a good answer for it. Or excuse me, the Falcons. I keep thinking Flacco and Falcons in my head. The Browns had a good answer for it. Like, the blitz almost got home to Flacco. Jaquan Brisker was coming off of the edge, was right in Flacco's lap, but as he's falling backwards, kind of almost almost like a fadeaway shot in the NBA, he kind of like jumps and throws it. It just happens to get it up over high enough to to Joku, who happened to be in a good spot on the play, and ends up, you know, picking up some yards there. But like, as much as people are getting on Matt Eberflus, I've not heard a lot of criticism for Tyreek Stevenson coming up to Njoku in that play and just kind of throwing his body at him and missing the tackle. And that tackle was like right at the first down marker. It wouldn't have stopped him from getting a first down, but it would have made it a 15-yard gain instead of whatever it ended up being 30 and got them into field goal range. If Stevenson makes that tackle right there, they are not yet in field goal range. And the Bears defense has another opportunity to make stops. And I don't know if Joe Flacco had more plays like that in him or not. Like it was a bad important missed tackle by Tyreek Stevenson that I again feel like with the Brisker thing, right? Where it's like Player trying to make the right play. He was, trying to, he was trying to put a big hit on David Njoku. Kind of lowered the shoulder and put his side into him. But just make the good form tackle. Wrap him up and get him down. And don't worry about the big hit. Or in Brisker's case, don't worry about going after the ball. Just make the tackle live to fight another down. Except that, you know what? We gave up the completion. All right, that's a problem. But, like, don't let it get worse from there. And that's what happens on both of those big plays. And I, again, can't help but feel like it's first-year players, second-year players in those spots that just aren't doing, don't do exactly what they were supposed to. They did kind of what they were supposed to, but not exactly what they were supposed to. And that became a little bit of a problem there. Like, it's it's younger guys that are going to have ups and downs. You know, they went after Tyreek Stevenson a lot during the game, targeted quite a bit, and it was 
It was like a lot of yards, but low completion percentage, kind of low passer rating. Uh, got the interception, got a pass breakup in there as well. So it's a kind of, it's all or nothing. He makes the big player. He gets beat a few times for something big. And, you know, we haven't talked much this season about how Kyler Gordon is kind of struggling a little bit right now. Not playing super well. Not terrible, but no one's really talking about, yeah, he was supposed to take a big step forward this year and has not. Like Jalen Johnson's playing great. Other guys are, are taking the spotlight. And Gordon's just kind of been average. And that's okay. It's not the end of the world. Doesn't mean he's a bust, but it's a, kind of one of these under discussed topics. But just like young players in the secondary are going to make mistakes in some of these big moments. And veteran players like Amari Cooper, David Joku, and Joe Flacco have that experience and that resilience to make the right play at the right time in the big clutch moment. And the young players still have to kind of learn that as they go along. So that's a little bit, not a perfect explanation, but explains some of where we've seen this Chicago Bears defense collapse. The offense is a little more straightforward when it comes to like playing a good Browns defense and having trouble with their pass rush and their blitz. But we'll go through some of the things we learned from this Bears offense on the All-22 film next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by our friends at Game Time, the best way to get tickets for all of your favorite live events, whether it's a concert, comedy show, theater events, or of course, sports. You can get tickets to anything you want to go see for the best prices online. Right now, looking at Bears tickets for this weekend, Cardinals at Bears at Soldier Field Sunday on Christmas, Christmas Eve at 3.25 p.m. $54 can get you in per ticket into Soldier Field. They got plenty of tickets all under $60, under $70 in the lower and mid-level sections, actually. You can get pretty close, and you can save $20 on those tickets. when you Use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use our promo code locked on NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account and redeem our promo code locked on NFL for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. This Chicago bears offense struggled from start to finish. And it wasn't, you know, fully a mystery. Like, yeah, okay, they got behind the sticks a lot and couldn't run the ball very effectively. And Justin Fields was under pressure a lot. And Miles Garrett was causing some trouble and, and trouble. And the other pass rushers were causing some trouble. And we've seen this Bears offense have those kind of mistakes before and have those kinds of struggles before. And of course, some really big drop passes made a big difference in the game. And I can't help but like leave that feeling like those drop passes are a great example of how small the margin of error is for the Chicago Bears offense. And like, it's easy to just say, oh man, those two drop passes are caught and Justin Fields has a great game and the Bears win and there's no problem, right? But at the same time, there were other problems in this game. And those drop, catching those drop passes does not solve all the Bears offensive problems in the game. It wins you the game. Sure, I'll give you that. I'm mean, certainly the Hail Mary would, but then, you know, the Robert Tanyan dropped and then there were actually two others. Roshan had a drop and, and Tyler Scott had a drop that were both important in this game. But like the, the difference is like other offenses, like average to above average offenses, like offenses that are where the Bears need to be, they can survive a dropped pass, right? That's that's an error, but it's not within or it's not outside of the margin for error, right? Like other offenses, like great offenses can't overcome turnovers, right? Very few offenses can go and turn the ball over two or three times in a game and like still overcome that and play very well. But good to great offenses can overcome 
dropped pa- a couple of drop passes here and there. Like it was a lot of drops. Don't get me wrong. This is not trying to say like, oh, the drops are fine and the Bears should have been great even with the drops. Not necessarily, but like other teams have drop passes too and have big drop passes. And you know what? You come back after that drop and you throw another one and they make the catch. I mean, maybe it's not the same play in the same situation, but like a drop pass is not a turnover. It's not a sack, right? It's not a, I mean, it's a negative play in terms of like it is energy wise negative on your team, but you don't lose any yards on a drop pass, right? Whether that pass is dropped or broken up or overthrown and just incomplete at the end of the day, the drop pass is an incomplete pass. It doesn't move you backwards. It doesn't give the other team the ball necessarily. Like they're bad, but they're not as bad as like interceptions and sacks and other things that are even more negative for your offense. Like drops are the kind of thing that a couple of them you can overcome. It's easier to overcome a couple drops than it is to overcome a couple interceptions and a couple of bad sacks and things like that. And so I'm left feeling like, yes, drops, bad hurt fields, Drops should not be enough alone to derail your whole offense. Like a lot of that was the Browns blitzed a decent amount on fields. A lot of the time it was, you know, we talked about it in the the game plan podcast. They're a single deep coverage kind of defense. They certainly did a lot of that. A lot of their blitzing coming out of man coverage. Cover one, Justin Fields versus man coverage blitzes, one for 11 throwing in the game. A couple drops on those. I think two drops, two of the four drops on those plays. But still, like the Bears were getting one-on-one coverage versus the blitz and not converting whether it was, you know, fields being pressured and not being able to throw a good pass or it's guys not getting open downfield or, you know, guys having contested catch situations where they're just not able to bring it in. The Bears did not catch a single contested catch in the game. Anytime a DB was near the catch point, incomplete pass every single time. The Bears receivers were not making those types of plays for their quarterback. And along the way, Justin Fields had two dropped interceptions in the game that could have easily been turnovers. Like as much as you can say, man, how great would it have been if, if the Bears receivers had caught those passes from fields? How bad would it have been if, you know, that pass to Darnell Mooney down the left sideline that Mooney did not come back for at all and was very poor effort there? It's an interception that Mooney helps like kind of break up at the end, but should have been, could have been picked off there. That, that was, when you watch the All-22, it's very frustrating. Fields is throwing at Mooney. Mooney's standing there waiting for the ball to get there. And it's not until he realizes that Greg Newsom is running in that he jumps after it. But you got to go after that ball right away. That's bad on Darnell Mooney. But not a good decision on the front end either. Interceptable pass that was not picked off. And then another one to Darnell Mooney later in the first half, I think, where, you know, Mooney runs like a, a whip route and kind of slips a little bit. And he and Fields are not on the same page. Throws it behind Mooney a little bit. And that one hit the DB in the hands dropped interception. Like either one of those could have been back-breaking interceptions that this Bears offense is not good enough to overcome. But they should be good enough to overcome a couple of drop passes. Certainly the running game was not helping nearly enough. None of the Bears ball carriers forced a missed tackle on a running play all game. Justin Fields didn't force a missed tackle. Khalil Herbert, Dante Foreman, Roshan Johnson, Bayless Jones. On any play that was a running play, I actually didn't double check if any of the receivers made missed tackles after the catch, but for sure any of the running plays, the Bears did not force any missed tackles with their guys. Like that, that is hard to create yards for yourself when you're going down on pretty much every tackle. Two, Three receivers made missed tackles after the catch. Roshan, Kolkomet, Darnell Mooney all got credited with those by PFF, but on runs, the Bears did not force any missed tackles. Give credit to the Browns for tackling well, I guess. But, like, you kind of think you got enough talent between fields and these ball carriers that, like, you can at least make one guy miss. But 
they were swarming all over it. I mean, the offensive line was not run blocking well. Uh, Khalil Herbert and Deontay Foreman were averaging negative yards before contact. On average, Herbert and Foreman were met behind the line of scrimmage by a defender on every handoff, on average. Like, that's not good. Roshan Johnson get, was able to get a little bit more yards, but the Bears' offensive line was not run blocking well. And that made life difficult for Fields. And the offense gets in these longer down and distance situations. And it makes then the blitzes can be more effective because they know it's third and long. When they blitz, you don't have time to hold on to it and let a play develop. So you got to throw it quick. You got to throw it short, stopped on third down punch. Like that was kind of the formula here, right? They shut down the running game. They got after fields. They made him have to either get rid of the ball quickly or, or, you know, try and escape a blitz, but he couldn't do that very much. Like he only scrambled on passing plays twice for 11 yards and the blitzes were not the time to be able to scramble and get away from it. It was, it was really a tough one. Like the blitzes is where the sacks came from. I think two of the three sacks came on blitzes. One of the linebackers, had a sack. Uh, one of the defensive backs had a sack. Uh, and I think then the other one was when the backup defensive ends had a sack, on, which was also, I think, a blitz play. I think all three sacks came on blitzes. You know, Miles Garrett had 11 pressures, season high, but did not hit no quarterback hits, no sacks uh, by PFF's charting. So, like, he was disruptive, like we talked about yesterday, but not didn't derail everything, was disruptive and a problem, caused a lot of problems. 11 times caused problems. It's a huge, huge pass rushing performance from him. And by the way, about two-thirds of the time versus Braxton Jones, one-third of the time versus Darnell Wright. They moved him around quite a bit in this game. Both guys struggled with Miles Garrett. Like, understandable. But to me, like, this, this was a good defense that got after Justin Fields pretty well, that got after the running game pretty well, and that the offense as a whole is not good enough to overcome small margin of error things like a drop pass that shouldn't be as monumental for this team, but it is because because they're just not all there yet. I think some of that's offensive coordinator and play calling. Some of it's playmakers not named DJ Moore aren't doing much for you. And certainly, uh, you know, uh, maybe a disappointing offensive line performance against a pretty good front. But maybe the biggest disappointment, Darnell Mooney with drop passes and poor effort and poor blocking. And I, I want to take a minute here to like step back on the Mooney situation and talk a little big picture. Like what's going on and, and what does this mean for the future of him and the Chicago Bears receiver position next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs because LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. I'm on LinkedIn. I bet you're on LinkedIn. And if you're not on LinkedIn, I bet a lot of your friends, family members, and coworkers are on LinkedIn. It makes it the best place to hire because it has a vast network of more than a billion professionals. LinkedIn knows that small businesses wear a lot of hats and that you don't always have time to invest in hiring. That's why LinkedIn makes the process intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. During the Bears loss to the Browns, when Robert Tanyan dropped that deep pass, I thought to myself and, and tweeted out, like, Robert Tanyan, to me, is the biggest disappointment of any Bears offseason addition, given that I expected him to be able to do some cool stuff for this team. 
But Darnell Mooney might be the bigger overall disappointment. Like he wasn't an offseason addition, so by that categorization, no, he doesn't count in the same in the same race there. But like, it just has not been anything close to what we wanted it or hoped it to be for Darnell Mooney. Like he's he's on pace for what's a career low receiving yards, career low catches. I guess touchdowns is kind of a tricky thing because he has one and his career, his career low was two, so he might not be a career low there. But like. Yards per game under 30 for the first time in his career. You know, receptions per game, just two. And, you know, we wondered, okay, how much of this is scheme? And he's just not, he's just not getting the ball enough. He's not getting enough targets. He's not worked into the progression. But, he's, you know, he's been getting more targets lately and hasn't really done much with them. And we've seen a lot of dropped passes. We've seen pass breakups. We've seen contested catches just not really be anything close to a playmaking by Darnell Mooney. Like he had seven targets against the Browns, two catches for 14 yards last week against the Detroit lions, six targets, two catches, he got 44 yards, I guess. But you know, he's he, like the, getting the ball, his direction. He's got 51 targets this season. He's, no, excuse me, he's up to 57 targets this season. He's he's already like on pace to surpass last season in targets in that way. Like it's not purely, a lack of opportunity, but then you add on top of it a, a lack of concentration on dropped passes. I mean, certainly, I, I'm not here to kill him for the the hail mary. Like we talked about this a little bit on yesterday's podcast. That's a tough spot. The ball should never even been there in the first place. He's falling away. He's not expecting the ball to be there. Like that's not the same as a drop pass when you're Robert Tanyan running in stride and the ball lands in your breadbasket when you're ready for it, you're looking for it, and the quarterback is trying to get it to you. Like, tipped pass, wobbles funny in the end zone. Like, okay, I'm not going to kill Darnell Mooney for that one. But, like, he's up to a career-high five dropped passes this season, and there's still three games to go. Like, that's not what we're used to from Darnell Mooney. He's dropped 14.7% of his catchable targets this season. His previous career high was 4.7%. He's dropped 10% more of his targets this season than he has any other year before that in his career. And then you add on top of that, like the, the effort and the, the, the really like being invested in things like that. Like, okay, drop passes happen sometimes and guys get, guys will have random years where they'll just ball bounce funny. It'll be tipped funny and they'll drop a couple passes. And okay, you can still live with drop passes if the guy's being productive. Otherwise, and it's just, okay, a couple drops, We'll worry about that later. You get the jugs machine, et cetera. Like we know Darnell Mooney, I think doesn't, wasn't that the story this offseason that he bought a jugs machine and like uses it in his house. And certainly we know Darnell Mooney to be a guy who spent a lot of time after practice on the jugs machine. Like concern with Darnell Mooney is not purely hands, you know, like it's happening and that's a concern, but like, it's not, it doesn't seem like a technique issue there. It just feels like it's kind of a mental thing. It's a concentration thing and it's a, I don't know, engagement, how engaged is he in the play and in the, in the, in the moment and dialed in. Like we talked about it earlier on that dropped interception that fields through deep in the left side of the field. Like it was kind of a scramble drill thing where Mooney was running a vertical route and then kind of slows down and turns around to come back to fields because field is scrambling. I got to get open for him. And Mooney's like standing there, like it's a curl route and Justin Fields throws it, you know, it's, this is a 30 yard throw or whatever. So it takes a couple seconds for the ball to get there. And Mooney just stands there and is waiting for the ball to come to him. Meanwhile, the guy who was covering him is full speed sprinting to get in front of Mooney to pick off that pass. And I mean, it's kind of like basic receiver stuff, right? 
work your way back to the ball. Attack the ball in the air. Go get the pass. Don't wait for the ball to come to you. Go get the ball. Certainly, you don't want to overrun it and have it go over your head, but like you got to come back for that ball. And Darnell Mooney stood there and let it become more of a dropped interception than it could have been had Mooney been a little bit more aggressive to go after it and get it. Or you have that fourth and one scram that, that sort of like bootleg play for Fields where he you know rolls out to the right and ends up getting tripped up by a defensive back and tries to dive forward for the first down and, and falls like a yard short. Like Mooney's there to, to try and make that backside crack block. But if you watch the play, like, yes, it's, it's kind of a good time blitz by the DB. Like it wasn't easy for Mooney to just erase the guy, but Mooney starts to like fake a route and then turns and runs back and then realizes, you can see it's like a half second late that he, that it hits him that he's, Oh, I got to block this guy. And he gets a piece of him. And like, I mean, it's kind of fluky that the guy tripped up fields, right? Like in, in seems like most of the time that was probably should have been enough, but like at the same time it, it wasn't. And you know what I mean? And it's like Mooney's being asked to be enough and he just isn't enough on these plays. And for a guy entering free agency, for a guy who's always been a consummate professional, he's never caused any drama. He's never complained about his contract. He's never said anything controversial in his life, it seems like. And for a guy that we like, we all like and are rooting for, I think. I don't, I mean, obviously he's lost a lot of favor from these last, from the way he's played lately, but like early, I mean, from the moment he started his rookie year as a fifth round pick, like Darnell Mooney's been a fan favorite. And it's just weird. Like how he's fallen from a guy who, as a rookie, had 60 catches for 600 yards and four touchdowns. Second year, 80 catches for 1,000 yards. Like the trajectory was, you know, it was great. You know, it's the stonks meme. Like he's going off the charts there. Like Darnell Mooney's growing into a, at least a number two receiver. We were debating if Darnell Mooney's a number one wide receiver. Then last year, okay, the offense is bad. He gets under 500 yards, but it was a bad offense all around. He'll be so much better in year two with same offensive system. DJ Moore is going to take all the attention. So Mooney's going to get better coverage matchups. Like it was sure Mooney maybe wasn't going to be a thousand yard guy again, but was, was in a great position to really look like a solid number two, maybe 800 yards, even 600 yards, get back to that. But no backwards is largely where he's going. Despite averaging, I should mention a career high yards per reception. He's just not making those receptions. And I think some of that is scheme. Certainly I, I, I do. I do think he's not getting as many opportunities in terms of where he is in the progression and what routes he's running on plays. He's a decoy a lot more. That's part of it for sure. It's not purely Darnell Mooney's fault. Some of it might be Justin Fields in that conversation and just how plays end up going. But like we're getting to the point now where like for a while it was Mooney has the benefit of doubt because we've seen him be good and we've seen the rest of this offense be bad. So it must be other stuff. But now we're getting to the point where it's like, no, he's, he's making mistakes and you can see it and he's not always fully trying his hardest on a couple of these plays. And it's like, it just sure feels like he's not going to be back as a free agent. Like maybe never say never, but like maybe a change of scenery would be good for him. Maybe just for whatever reason, the way the offense is right now. And like he and Justin have always had a good relationship. So I don't think it's that. I don't think it's the quarterback, but just scheme wise or city wise, or maybe there's other things going on in his life off the field that we know nothing about that are you know affecting his, what he does on the field. Like I certainly hope Everything is going fine in Darnell Mooney's life, but I like to give guys, you know, some grace there and some benefit out there that they're all going through. I mean, everyone's going through a battle that we know nothing about, and certainly football players are human beings, and I like to be sympathetic to that for them, but it's a problem, and it sounds like it may end up being somebody else's problem next year unless things turn around quickly, or, I mean, maybe a new coaching staff, new offense, and maybe that is a sign for them to go and bring Mooney back because if they like Mooney as a football player and as a, you know, as a competitor, but we're not seeing that same competitor 
right now either. And that's what makes it tough. So very disappointed with, with Darna Mooney and kind of still wondering what exactly happened there. And very disappointed with Robert Tanyan. I really thought, man, he came in with Luke Getze, knows the offense right away. Another good receiver at tight end gives you a lot of flexibility. You can go heavier personnel, make the defense go heavier, and then he'd be a good receiver off of that. We've seen him at the very least be a good red zone weapon for the Packers and just gave the Bears nothing this season. And I really thought he could be a big difference maker for this team. And he's making me look bad because I thought more from Robert Tanyan. So I'm very disappointed in him as well. Those two have been big time disappointments and an otherwise uh, disappointment for a lot of different areas on this Chicago Bears offense. I try not to revel too much in the disappointment and try not to be too overly critical of guys, but we've gotten to that point now, certainly with Tanyan and we're getting there with, with Darnell Mooney. Hopefully less disappointment is in our future with what should be an easy matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. We'll get the scoop on what's going on in Arizona with Alex Clancy from Locked On Cardinals on our Crossover Thursday podcast this week. So come on back for that. Keep coming back every day. Make Locked On Bears your first listen wherever you listen to podcasts, especially on the, on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button to keep up with our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Really appreciate you making us your first listen today and every single day. Coming back tomorrow because we'll make sure we always give you another opportunity to bear down. <laughs>